0: Hey family, thank you so much for joining us here on our YouTube channel. We pray that this sermon touches your heart and changes your life, that you and I would all be conformed into the image of his Son, Jesus. And hey, if you want to continue to see more word like this and help us get this message of truth, this message of Jesus out to a hurting world. Jesus said, "I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. I want to encourage you to be one of our truth partners. And you can do that by texting Truth Partner one word, to 53555 today. And help us get this message of truth out to so many broken people. You and I and the whole world simply need Jesus. We love you. Thank you for being a truth partner. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon. Subscribe ring that bell for future notifications god bless you now this is the first sunday of the year and god's doing some beautiful things and i want you to begin to ask the lord in your time with him um, what he's doing in the earth and what he's doing in our church and in our life and I really believe what you'll begin to hear the Lord speak to you and show you is that he is bringing the church's attention back to Jesus. All over the earth. How many of you believe we're living in the last days? I really do. I really believe that um, we're living in the last days and he's bringing the church back to center back to what's important, which is Jesus. and. This is why you're seeing young people cry out. They're crying out for Jesus. They're not crying out for a movement. They're not crying out for miracles. They're crying out for the man from Galilee. Anybody else in love with the man from Galilee? And they're discovering that in him everything exists. And when you talk about Jesus in our church services, we want to keep his we want to keep the crown on his head throughout the whole service we want to make it all about him not about anybody else and when you see people worshipping and they feel the presence of God and when we come together and worship you can literally feel the tangible presence of God and God is preparing his people and when you talk about storing the oil and having the oil of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God cannot be given by the laying on of hands. I can't come to Riley and put my hands on Riley and she now has the anointing or impart that under her. We learned that lesson from the the, the, the foolish virgins who had... They had the lamp, but they didn't have the oil. They had the structure, but they didn't have the oil. And so they went to the wise virgins and said, give us some of your oil. And they said, we'll buy it, we'll buy some of your oil. And they said, we can't sell you our oil. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't do it. They said, you have to go buy your own oil. And how do you get the oil of the Holy Spirit? You buy it by spending time with Jesus. How did you buy everything else you have? What did you trade for it? Your time. How did you buy the car you drove here in? What did you trade for it? Your time. How did you buy the clothes that you're wearing right now? What did you trade for it? Trade your time. How do you get the oil? Your time. The oil stores open every morning. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must first deny yourself pick up your and follow me this is the price buy it now don't wait for crisis to come and try to buy the oil buy the oil now you cannot i cannot give you my history with jesus you have to have one for yourself I, as a pastor, I'm called into crisis moments. I, over 20 years, over two decades of crisis moments. And I'll go to the hospital and, oh my gosh, pastor, this oh car, right? What is it? And I can tell when I walk in the room if I'm surrounded by a family who has the oil or not. I can sense it in the room. And I've, I've walked out. I was, I was with my dad a couple years ago and we walked into a crisis. And, and I could sense there was just no oil. The people in the room had no relationship with God. And now crisis has hit. And you can't buy it. I can't give it to you. And I walked out going, how tragic it must be to face tragedy and have no oil. Have no relationship. So everybody say, buy the oil now. Now. And you have to buy it on your own. And the ones who get along and they get alone with Jesus and they're purchasing it, no devil in hell can take it away. Did you hear what I said? No devil in hell can take it away. And he tries. He tries and he hits them because, but because of the glory of the cross, the glory's in what? The cross. You have to get to the point in your life. And this is hard. But you have to get to the point in your life where you find joy and pain. And what. What makes the church undefeatable. Is when when she yields to Jesus. When she yields to Jesus. And the church gains, hear me, please hear what I'm saying. The church gains a theology for suffering. She can never be defeated. When she finds glory in her wounds, what do we glory in? What did we just sing about? Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. blood. We thank him for the blood. For your nail-pierced hands. We we thank him for the suffering. The glory is in the pain. And that's what the church doesn't want. The church doesn't want any pain. We want success. And we try to glory in our success. So all the enemy has to do is touch our success. And we no longer pray, we no longer give, we no longer serve, we no longer read the word of God, we no longer come to church, we no longer, because we glory in our success. But the church, that's how you're so easily defeated when you glory in success. But how you live a life that's undefeatable is you glory in your suffering. This is why Jesus says, if you want to reign with me, you must suffer with me. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. You want to be known for your success. You want to glory in your success. And all Satan has to do is touch your success because you never learned to glory in your sufferings. This is why Paul says, count it all joy when we face t- tribulation. He says, it is good that we have been persecuted. If I was never persecuted, I wouldn't know the glory of God. We glory in the cross. We glory in none other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Then you gotta. Where's the nail? Where's the nail prints? Show me the pure side. Show me the stripes. Show me the, the people who ridiculed you and beat on you and forsake you and abandon you. We have to learn to glory in our suffering. If the church will glory in its sufferings, it can never be defeated. This is the cross. This is the beauty of the cross. Can I get an amen? And so let me give you just two thoughts. And let me talk to you about the high price of prayerlessness. Because we're starting... 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I don't mean to sound like a harsh exhortation, but rather it's an appeal. That the Bible talks to us about praying without ceasing, meaning that we have a continuous fellowship with the Lord. And people who have a prayerless life, prayerlessness is very sobering. Very so has a very sobering effect on your life. So go with me to the book of Luke. I'm going to give you just two. The book of Luke, chapter 22. Does anybody else feel the presence of the Lord in here? The book of Luke, chapter 22. And coming out, this is Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before he went to the cross. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. As was his custom. And his disciples followed him. I went there last year, at the mountain. I don't know if you want to go to Israel with me. You guys want to go? Oh my gosh. Your life will never be the same. Never be the same. And he came to the place and he said to them, Pray. Everybody say, Pray. Pray. Do you guys see the red letters here? Pray. Pray that you enter not into temptation. And then he withdrew about a stone's throw away. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it be your will, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more. I'm getting a little feedback here, Chris. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Not being in agony, he stopped praying. But the more agony he was in, the more he prayed till his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose up from prayer, he went to his disciples and found them sleeping. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and... <laughs> I want you to hear those words every morning at about 4 a.m., 5 a.m., Rise and pray. come on if you won't believe pastor will you at least believe the words of Jesus rise and pray why does he tell him to rise and pray he says rise and pray lest you enter into what temptation now if you go back verse 39 for the sake of time I won't read it all but verse 39 Jesus tells Peter he says you're going to deny me three times, right? Jesus tells him. Just a few verses earlier, he says, you're going to deny me, Peter, three times. And then what does God do? Jesus gives him an opportunity. He gives him an opportunity to avoid the temptation. He gives him access to a strength where if he would have prayed, Jesus would have been wrong. He says, hey, you're gonna deny me three times. Now go pray, so you don't fall into temptation. And then he comes back and he says, get up and pray, so you don't fall into temptation. Remember what I told you was gonna happen? It's gonna happen if you don't pray. And he didn't listen. So what happened? He fell into temptation. So even if Jesus warns you twice, Without prayer, you'll still fall. Temptation. Everybody say temptation. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. Every man is tempted. So the temptation is common, the lust is specific. Temptation. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which he are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. He gave Peter a way of escape. Prayer, everybody say prayer, prayer. is my way of escape. Way of escape. Let, me te- let me teach you how temptation works, because a lot of you don't know how temptation works. And, and if you don't know that, if you don't know what makes you fall, you'll keep falling. Mm-hmm. If you know what makes you fall, you can prevent it and stand. Yeah. Right Amen. Okay, this is how temptation works. Okay, let's say me and, me and Deontay go out to we go out to lunch. And he's doing great. He's got all kinds of money. His business is flourishing. All his bills are paid, everything. I'm struggling. My bills aren't paid. I don't have any money. I really don't even know how I'm going to pay for this lunch. I'm, in, I'm really in a bad spot. So I have a lot of fear. I have a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of stress. I have lack. So we go in. He goes, I'm going to go to the restroom real quick. And I go, okay, I'll get the table. I sit down at the table, and I notice that the server who just cleaned the table didn't see the $100 bill tip. And it's sitting there. And I notice she didn't see it. And I go, in, inside I go, I could just take this $100 bill. She didn't see it. I could just take it. He doesn't know about it. He's in the restroom. I could just take this $100 bill. Now I'm being tempted. So how temptation works is you have a lack and then there's a circumstance that's presented and your lack plus the circumstance equals the temptation. I go, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I can't, I can't take this hundred bucks. I just, I just go, Lord, forgive me. I'm not going to take it. He comes back and he notices a $100 bill and he goes, oh, hey, ma'am, The person who was just here, you must have done a good job. They left you $100. She comes back. She gets it. She's thrilled. What I said, when I sat down, it was a temptation. He had no temptation. We both sat down at the same table. We both saw the $100 bill. I entered into temptation. You didn't. Why? Because my lack plus the circumstance created the temptation. Does that make sense to you? So you have to be careful because what prayer does is prayer moves the blindness off of your eyes and shows you what's behind the door of temptation prayer declutters your eyes for you to really see the doors satan will throw up doors all the time and without prayer you'll open the door You'll open the door, open the door. I'm hooked on porn, and now I'm alone, and I, here I am, and, and I've got these sexual desires, and now all of a sudden, my lack plus this circumstance, now I've got it, now I'm tempted. How come you're not tempted to look at porn now? You understand what I'm saying? You're, the situation's not there. The circumstance isn't there. It has to be your lack plus the circumstance equals the temptation. That's why you need to ask God to get rid of all your lack, Amen. Yes. lacking nothing. Everybody say, "I'm not going to have any lack." So many of you think lack is money. You can have money and be in being lack. Jesus told the rich young ruler. He got onto the rich young ruler. He said, "You have all these things." He said, "He had money. He had everything." He said, "I did the law. I did. The, I did all this stuff." And Jesus said, "The one thing you lack." Sell all you have and give to the poor. So just because you have money doesn't mean you don't have lack. And if you don't know what you lack, you could be praying for the wrong things. This is why you need to go to God and say, God, reveal to me what I lack. You, you may think the, the issue is you lack money, but what you really lack is joy. And people don't want to do business with you because, well, you fill in the blank. You don't have joy. Praise the Lord. And, 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 and what you, you don't lack money, what you really lack is joy. You have to go to God and say, God, show me what I lack. That I lack nothing. This is how temptation comes. And if you don't have a life, if you don't have a prayerful life, you will constantly find yourself in areas of lack. Sin creates Lack. Oh my gosh, I wish I could say everything. out of time. Sin creates lack in your life. In the garden, they had everything, right? As soon as they sinned, now they got lack. And now all the sins begin to come out of lack. When you live a life of prayer, it shuts the doors. And you live a life like how he just came in and sat at the table and he's like, Oh, hey, here's 100 bucks. Hey, great, good for you. How come I'm sitting here struggling with this huge temptation about to ruin my life? And you can walk in and just, it's no issue because you have no lack. I don't know how to explain any better than that. You gotta go somewhere else to try to get it. (laughs) Is this helping you? Refused to live a life of prayerlessness. Let me give you another one. Matthew. Go with me to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Verse, four, verse 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. Jesus said, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your, what? And to bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How many of you will believe the red? This page has fallen on my Bible because I've had to read this so many times in order to survive ministry for 20 years. How how many of you, how many of you will believe the words of Jesus? I mean, he just says, he says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is the opposite of what you want to do. And there's an, there's an exhortation um, here to pray, but it doesn't say to Pray for those and that hurt you and then you'll be born again. He says, because you're born again, because you're saved, you need to pray for those who hurt you. And he says, when you pray, you exercise the right to become who the Lord has called you to become. And when you do it, hear me, when you pray for those who oppose you, when you do it, please hear what I'm teaching you. It becomes clear to you and to everyone in the spirit realm, that you are a child of God. In Romans 8, it says, all of creation groans waiting for sons and daughters to manifest. When you pray for people who hurt you, it tells you and the entire spirit world who you are you are a son and daughter of the king because you're praying for those who hurt you. I can always tell where somebody's heart is by how they respond to people who hurt them. And it says, when you pray for those who hurt you, when you pray for those who curse you, you are becoming like Jesus. Then your identity, everybody say, my identity My identity becomes established in the Spirit. And I manifest as a son and a daughter of the Lord. Listen, I have a lot of people who don't like me. So you come up to me after church, you're like, I don't like you. I'm like, you have to get in line. You have to take a number. Because it's a big, long line of people. You can't say the things that I say about truth. And I heard somebody say this week, it was an old, old quote by an old theologian. They said, you don't have to defend truth. Truth is like a lion. Just turn it loose and it'll defend itself. That's the truth. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And and there's there's people who go to this church that don't like me. There's people I mean all kinds of people that don't like me. It's just it's so so what? I like me. Joanne likes me. And Jesus likes me. And and <coughs> I had people write things about me, every platform you could think of, internet, people do all, all kinds of stuff, said all kinds of stuff about me. Talk about me, talk about the way I look, talk about the way I talk, talk about everything I said. Just tear you down, do everything they could do. If I, if I hear about those people or I happen to hear their name, the first thing I do, and I had to learn this. This had to be taught to me. I had a pastor teach this to me. First thing I do is I start praying for them. And I say, let me tell you what I do. I say, God, bless them. And here's, here's, here's what really hits me, is I start praying for their children. And I start praying that all of their children would be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that all, all of their children would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and that they would know the joy of having children that love Jesus. I don't rebuke them. I don't ask God to tear them down. I don't ask God to hate them. I don't ask God to do anything. I don't ask God to destroy them. I don't ask God to do any of that. Because you know why Proverb, I think it's Proverbs 10. I don't know what verse, maybe it's 10, 13, says that we are never to talk bad about a servant to their master. Never do that. And I go, you know what, they're not my servant. Mm -hmm. Because some of them, they're still God's child. And some of them are sincere, even if they're sincerely wrong. They're sincere. And some of them really believe they're doing the work of the Lord by that. And I'm not going to get involved and use mental energy to defend myself or to tear someone down. Come on, somebody say amen. And the best way to do that is to start blessing them, praying for them, and praying that God would bless their children. This is how you keep your heart right. pray, think of the person. How many of you have somebody right now that gets on your nerves? See, y'all just phony. Y'all, y'all just as phony as you can be. Ain't no wonder God don't bless you. How many of you have somebody in your life that gets on your nerves right now? See, now you're honest. You need to start praying for them every day. You need to add them to your list. You need to be like, damn, that gets on my nerves. I'm, I'm gonna start praying for you every day. Every, no, I'm kidding. That's not true. I love you. That's not true. But what I'm saying is, you need, you need to say, you know what, that person gets on my nerves. They're going on my list. What's the list? My prayer list. And I pray for God to bless their kids. I ask God to meet all their needs. I ask God, and if that doesn't work, I start giving them money. I had somebody do something to me that hurt me so bad once. I couldn't. I, I, Any time their name came up, I felt, I felt bad. I, it, it, I couldn't shake it. Yeah. If their name came up, and if I was, if I saw them, it just something in me, I, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get rid of it. And I was praying about it, I couldn't get rid of it, and God said, write them a check. And I said, What do you want, What you say? <laughs> He's like, he, he goes, I want you to sow into them. And as soon as I started giving them a check, I got healed. I'm telling you, it healed me. It healed me because I had to get it out of me. They wouldn't bother with it. I I was bothered with it. I had to. One of the Greek words for forgiveness means to exhale. It means to, it means to get it out of you. You got to get it out of you, because bitterness is a cancer, and and cancer never stays where it starts. Cancer goes after the healthy cells. Never let bitterness get in you. Come on, I'm not helping anybody in here today. Don't let bitterness get in you. I said, see, I'm dyslexic. It wasn't. It's Proverbs thirty ten. I said ten thirteen. Proverbs thirty ten. Now we're getting ready to go into two weeks of prayer and fasting. Somebody say amen. amen. In prayer, when the Bible talks about prayer, how we should pray constantly. I had somebody ask me the other day. They said, Pastor. You know, the Bible says that we ought to pray constantly, but then it says not to ask God. For Why are you asking God for these things? He already knows you have not And they said, what am I supposed to do? And I said, I don't have time to talk about the whole thing today, but I, I, was, I was sitting down with them, and I was telling them when the Bible says, or when Jesus says to ask God for things, we should ask God for, you know, Lord, I need your provision, I need your help, I need this, I need that. You know, I need all these kind of things in my life. Um, that's talking about your, your, your basic needs, and you ask the Lord. But then you don't keep begging God for those things. Because it's like, do you, do you not think I will take care of you? Like, I'm going to take care of you. So I don't want him to think that I'm not believing for him to provide for me. So I asked him, I'm going to trust him. When it says to consistently ask God, it's, it, it's like the woman who was uh she went before the king and she kept asking the king remember jesus gave this illustration she kept asking the king and the king said give it to her because when it comes to consistent perpetual fervent prayer it should be around dreams the thing you're dreaming for believing for asking god to do that if god doesn't do it it won't be done the faithful, fervent prayer of righteous men availeth much. James 4.2 says, you have not because you. Let's talk about it. How many of you have heard that verse before? Come on. How many of you have heard it? Okay. You have not because you. Prayerlessness creates lack. Prayerlessness fuels lack. Prayerlessness is what lack consumes. And when we face a need and there is prayerlessness, it fuels lack instead of causing it to dissolve. It says you have not because you so prayerlessness creates and sustains lack. You have not because you so you have lack because you don't pray. Many of us take that like, oh, I want, I want this thing. So Lord, give me this thing I asked. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Casual prayers give casual answers. If you want to live a life off token answers, offer up token prayers. But if you want heaven to move, let your heart be moved. And he'll move as far as your heart moves. Amen? Amen. We need to let the weightiness of what we're facing determine the weightiness of how we pray. If you don't have a prayer life, you will have lack. And when you have lack, you will fall into temptation. It's just that simple. And this is why prayer and fasting is so important. For the sake of time, I don't have time to talk talk about all of it, but how many of you remember when Jesus came um, and the father had his young son and he, the young son, was possessed by demons? Am I helping anybody? I don't want to bore you. He was possessed by demons and... um, the disciples tried to cast out the boy and they couldn't do anything with it. And Jesus came and set the boy free. And the disciple says, how come we couldn't, we couldn't set the boy free? And Jesus says, this kind is only driven out by, by prayer and fasting. How many of you ever heard that text? Okay, but when Jesus said that, he didn't fast or pray. Jesus didn't face the situation and say, you know what, I need to go fast and pray about this. Now, he tells the disciples, fasting and prayer is what causes this demon to come out. But then Jesus just casts the demon out without fasting and praying. So why do we need to fast and pray? See, most people, when they fast, they fast, they fast and they don't pray. Fasting without prayer is starving. <laughs> we have to pray. Everybody say we have to pray. So Jesus didn't fast, and he didn't pray. One, because Jesus lived a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Can I get an amen? And when this, when this boy came under attack, Jesus looked at him and says, this kind is only driven out but by prayer and fasting. Fasting does not get rid of demons. That's not the reason to fast. That's not the reason to fast. Because demons are not intimidated by your fasting. The devil's not intimidated by your fasting. He's intimidated by my authority. And what happens to me when I fast is you discover who he is and you discover who you are. That's what happens when you fast. This is why Jesus said, because remember the disciples, they pulled Jesus aside because they were embarrassed. They pulled him aside after him. They're like, hey, you know, how come we couldn't do that? And Jesus says, this kind's only driven out but by prayer and fasting. They're like, yeah, but you didn't fast or pray. Right then. And he's like, yeah, I I drove them out because of my authority. The same authority I gave you. The disciples had all authority. He had already given them all authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick. The problem was they didn't know who they were because fasting reveals your identity. And you can't function in your identity if you don't know who you are. This is why no one who says they're of the opposite sex now, oh, I changed my gender, never says I fasted and prayed about it. (laughs) Your identity comes through Jesus. So Jesus is looking at his disciples saying, You could have done this. Mm -hmm. They said, how come we couldn't do it? He said, I already gave you authority. They said, how come we we couldn't do it? He says, you can't do it because you don't fast and pray. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm not giving you authority, but you don't know who you are. Fasting reveals who you are and who he is. That's why you don't sin any longer, because you don't sin because it's not who you are. There was a study done, and they did a study on people, and they tried to get people to um, not eat certain food, and they, they tried not to use it, not to eat it out of willpower. And then they offered other people a certain type of food, and they said they don't eat that because that's not who they are. You, you don't struggle with temptations when you realize that's not who you are. Your ability to not sin has to come out of your identity. Deontay had no temptation to take that $100 bill because he had no lack. This is what prayer does for you. It destroys all of your lack. So the enemy can throw up any door he wants. But when you're hungry, the Bible says, even bitter things taste sweet. Anybody been to the grocery store and you bought all kinds of stuff when you was hungry? And then you eat some and you get home and you say, why did we buy this? Who, who in the world picked this out? Because it looked good when you was hungry. Fasting is learning to have an appetite for the things you cannot see. The child's foaming at the mouth. That's the challenge. The disciples have been given authority. Jesus gave them authority. But they couldn't see themselves. Faith comes from what you can't see. Dis- disobedience or lack of faith comes from what you can see. They saw this kid foaming at the mouth and they forgot who they were. They forgot. Fasting reminds you of who you are. It keeps your mind focused on what God has called you to do. And then you operate from a position where you have no lack. And when you have no lack, Satan can't tempt you with anything because you're dead. What do you tempt dead people with? How do you hurt a dead person? How do you offend them? They're dead. All that offense is because you're alive. you got to die. This is the life of a believer. This is the life of a Christian. And few be there that find it. Right? So it's releasing. It's not trying hard. It's yielding. Everybody say, I'm going to yield this year. I'm going to fast and pray so I can know who I am. I'm going to have a life that's prayerful so I have no lack. Lacking nothing. Yeah. Lacking nothing. So the next time you're tempted, what do I lack? Who am I? That's not who I am. I don't do that because that's not who I am. It's not my, this is my identity. My identity is in Christ. And I fasted and I've prayed. So now I know who I am. Praise the Lord. Did you get something out of this today? Hey, I know that this sermon blessed your heart. I hope it's been an encouragement to you to become more like Jesus. That's our heart and that's our prayer. He's the X on the treasure map. He is the topic of heaven. Everything is all about Jesus. And I want to encourage you get up in the morning, spend time with him, pray, seek his heart, seek his face, and uh, see what he will do in your life. Before you go, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider being a truth partner. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, it reminds me of Aquila and Priscilla, who would, sh- who would Help the Apostle Paul spread the message of truth. A couple, a married couple, uh, you know, would just invest to spread the message of truth to so many hurting people. Jesus said, "I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life." He is truth, and you can be a truth partner today by simply texting "truth partner" one word to five three five five five. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the channel. Click that little bell for notifications. Thank you for your generosity. So many of you give online, you give throughout the week, all over the nation. And I just wanna say thank you so much. We're using this resource to continue to get this message of truth out to so many broken and hurting people. And uh, we wanna be a blessing to you. And so let us know how we can pray for you. You know, Comment below. There's a lot of resources on uh, my website uh, that are available to you. But we want you to know how much we love you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for being a truth partner. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.